Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm a feminist, but I said I was supporting The Little Mermaid live in the cinema because it's important to support films with diverse casting, but really it's because I wanted to sing I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Forks. Feet. Flipping our fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling down a, what's that word again? Street. Very good. Up where they they walk, walk. up where they run. I'm waiting to stay in the sun Wandering free Wish I could be Part of that <laughs> I really, really wanted to see it And I was, of course, saying all the right things But I just really wanted to see it And I was like, term <laughs> Can we go to The Little Mermaid without a child? Do you think people will think we're weird? <laughs> Do you know that I didn't see a child there? It was just... Really? No, it was just a cinema full of grown-ups going, yep, I'm on for this. Every, 
I everyone this. was singing along. Everyone was singing along, like not loudly, but I could see people like, oh, I want to be. It's just the songs are oh, no. amazing. Um, I'm a feminist, but mm. I used to fancy uh, Triton, Ariel's dad. Oh, in yeah. Happy Dem now. Is it? Mm. You won't fancy him any less. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the other cartoon Triton is just like very buff, but yet the head of Santa. Mm. And I like that. He's quite patriarchal. Like he's quite like keeping his daughter trapped. Yeah, I like a daddy, I have to say. <laughs> is that. <laughs> no, listen, we all fancy things we don't approve of. I know. With a big fork, you know? <laughs> What's he doing with that? <laughs> what is he doing with Under that? Under the sea. <laughs> Under the sea. Things are better down where they're wet. <laughs> Come here to me. And I was sacked by a crab as well. I mean, <laughs> there must be innuendo in that. There, but it's oh, almost there, too obvious. There's too I know, I didn't fruit. know where to go. I mean, Ariel's crabs. It's basically that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not okay. Oh, fuck off. Mae Martin once confessed on this show that she fancied Jafar. In the Aladdin. You know, the bad guy in Aladdin. Yeah. She massively had a crush on Jafar. I used to fancy uh, also Robin Hood. The fox. (laughs) He was hot. The fox. He had a good attitude. Cool hat. On Brett Goldstein's film podcast, he has a section where you have to say, it, it's basically you say, um, it's film, films you wrote with you. You say the film that made you cry, the film that first you saw first, films that made you laugh the most, yeah. etc. And one of them is the film that you find the sexiest. And then the next one is called uh, Troubling Boners, Worrying Wide-Ons. And it's the Oh, film every wide-on for me the... is a worrying wide-on. <laughs> well, you would be good on this podcast, but he's like, the thing that you shouldn't find arousing in a film, but you do. Yeah. And Jack Whitehall said he fancied Nala from The Lion King. I and then he went, that. not when she was a child, when she was a teenager. I'm not weird. <laughs> he was like genuinely worried. He was like, I don't want anyone to think I fancied child Nala. I was a child myself, but I still was teenage Nala. Fabulous. That was when she got the big eyelashes. Oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, I love that when they come into their own. I think if I fancied an animal character on a a show, I might think about it. I mean, maybe Kermit the Frog. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's got style, hasn't he? I... I, think, I get it. I kind of fancy Kermit the Frog, but that's just because he's going out with Miss Piggy. She's a fat lady. And, like, Pierce Brosnan's got a fat wife. I did fancy him more. I'm being honest. There's a picture of him looking at his wife's ass, like, and he is enraptured. <laughs> Google it. Like, he's in, he's in a little baseball cap. He really it's fancies like, his wife, doesn't he? He does. And yeah. that makes... I don't want that go near him in any way it's not I'm not like one of those weird ones and like you fancy your wife I must take you but I just like I no, like no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean I know what you mean yeah. Do you know yeah I absolutely know maybe what you mean. this is not the place to tell you about this type of stuff no it's exactly the forum you know? it's what we all want to know I'm a feminist but I went to see the little mermaid and I loved it even though it's a film about a woman who loses her voice and can't speak and that's when the man falls in love with her. And I honestly think there are so many films with this trope of the woman can't speak English or the woman can't speak, the woman can't be heard. And I honestly think it is a genuine male fantasy for some men, hashtag not all men, but for some men, that they fantasise about a beautiful woman 
who just has to listen to them and can't say a word. Yeah. It's too much of a trope. It's in Love Actually. It's in that, that Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Where we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, what's the blonde one? Will, Will, Owen. Will, uh, oh, no, Owen, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah. He falls in love with a, like a, um, I think an Hispanic housemaid in a motel and she can't speak a word of English, she can't speak a word of Spanish and he just falls in love with her. Are you, are you telling me which one it is? Yeah, it is. It's Adam Sandler. Spanglish, isn't that what it's called? Spanglish. I think that's another one. It, there, there's so many of them. Fifth Element, Bruce Willis falls in love with, spoiler alert, the fifth element. Um, <laughs> And she can't... It's the Fifth Element woman. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Mila Jovovich. She's like, do you, do you ever watch The Fifth Element? No, obviously oh, not, because I didn't know it was a woman. Oh, it's great. It's like, Chris Tucker's like, I ain't got no fire. He's like, anyway. Um, but you know what's funny? is these women like, who fall in love with these men and they can't speak their language. Uh, they can always laugh at their jokes. They're always like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Isn't that funny? Yes. It's like, how do they know? Well, because we do know, we do know when a man's making a joke in another language. You do, you get the rhythms of the setup and the punchline, and you know that men want to be laughed at. So, it's it's easy to please men. Like you just have to go ha 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 at the right time when they've like when it's just when they're looking smug, you laugh. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I only discovered yesterday that my boobs actually float. Like flow or float? They float. Oh, float. Float in water. I was in a river and. Um, <laughs> of course you were. I was, yeah, it was hot. I was in a river and um, I was swimming about and I just realised that my boobs were floating of their own volition. They were just mm. like, they were actually, if I'm being honest, getting in the way. I was trying to like <laughs> swim and they were like, can I help? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know? And then. Um, I always thought, like, when people referred to boobs as flotation devices, I thought they were hubristic, being silly. Yeah. But genuinely, no, those lads are... You can, <laughs> you've you, I can you've basically it. got a biological uh, flotation device, like a, like a life, life jacket. I feel like that, or at least a travel pillow. Like, <laughs> do you know, if I've fallen off the side of the Titanic, yeah. I'll put one tit up... Are you suggesting Jack could have survived on your tits? Okay, yeah, you could have survived on mine. You, do, you wouldn't yeah. need a door. And there was like, room, Jack, there was room, on. Jack. Yeah. Jack, climb on here. Climb, yeah. I, don't need, I don't need a door, Jack. You just, this is a door. Yeah, I'll be like, Enrique Iglesias, I will be your lido, wait, I will be your lido, baby. Oh. Mm, yeah. Very good. Thank you. Mm. Um, I'm a feminist, but... I love the natural bikini. They have like a biological bikini, mermaids. If you've seen the Little Mermaid, you'll biological know this. Biological bikini, yeah, it's like, like hair or something. No, it's scales, but pretty, pretty coloured scales. So there's no scales around the midriff. There's scales around the 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 the, the, the fin, the yeah. you know, the tail. Yeah. And then there's scales across the breast. No nipples, I found that was interesting, but. It's just like beautiful colour. And I thought, oh, if I had the option to have that, so you could just go topless because it looks like you're wearing like a boob tube, mm. I might do it. Well, what kind of like, what colour uh, oh, scales did you go She for? had like a purple and green, very, very beautiful. I realise I'm, I'm, I'm sort of strumming my own breasts a lot telling yeah. the story. It's like you're an angel playing the harp. Yeah, but I, I just thought it was so beautiful and I did think, hmm, it... 
I mean, I don't want to live under the sea. That's the only thing. Yeah. But I loved the look. I loved the outfit. It was a bit Met Gala, the outfit. I don't get, though, how, like, actually, thinking about it, due to my one, uh, my I'm a feminist book before, did uh, Ariel's tits get in the way of her face at any point? No, I think they did help her float. <laughs> yeah. How, I'm a feminist, but I did spend a, quite a deal of time thinking about how mermaids make little mermaids. Because there's no... Have you ever seen a, a, a seahorse give no. birth? No. So it's the male, mm. the, and they'll just... I, they'll absolutely just shoot their load, and it's just loads of baby seahorses coming out of them. Oh, they just... I've never the seen... The sperm such, is in itself. It's such a masculine... It's the most masculine way I've ever seen someone give birth. It's like... It's like Vin Diesel with an Uzi. Just... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. They just shoot, they just spunk babies up a wall. And then the baby's like, wait. <laughs> so the baby's just hiding in the testicles. I don't know where they are, but they, I know the man gives birth. There's something, I think, I don't know, I don't know. Well, the man just, the male seahorse just jacks off with his little hand. With, the, with his little tail, just <laughs> wraps then, around himself. Then, no. And then just shoots out a bunch of babies. That is more efficient. Why don't we do that? Why do we have to go through all of this childbirth and trying to get a big head out of our vaginas? That's true, but I'm definitely wrong, aren't I? Like, is there any... What? They eat the babies. Incubate. Oh, they're so, so what, the, the, the woman puts the egg inside the man and then the man incubates and then they spray them out. I think it's a better system. Is there any way we could do that for humans? That would be amazing. I, if I was going to have a baby, I would like to say, you, I'll put the egg in you, babe. Yeah. You incubate it, and then when you're ready, just if, if spray you, it if, out. If humans were like seahorses, I think we'd be having no debates about maternity leave. A hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. So, yeah, that's fucked up, man. Someone should do a podcast about that. I'm sure that they already have. I can only assume. I'm a feminist, but I, I, I uh, bought a Lizzo fan for £35. A Lizzo fan? Like, it's a fan that says Lizzo across the front. Oh, I thought you meant, like, a fan of Lizzo's. I was like, you bought a Lizzo fan? Yeah. On eBay, someone was like, I'm a huge fan of Lizzo's, I've got nowhere to live, buy me. Exactly, and they just whisper affirmations into my ear. Yeah. And, and tell me Lizzo facts. Yeah. And go, can I see my family? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, tell me I'm 100% that bitch. <laughs> um, so it's, it's like Lizzo fan. It's got Lizzo in front of it. It's made of paper and it's... Um, like a little for the heat. For the heat. And I bought that concert because I wanted to financially support Lizzo. Mm. Like if... I don't know why. I love her so much. I was going to say, does she like, need the money? I... Well, I feel like Lizzo's doing okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, but like, I just want to like. I feel like, a, do you know? What I feel like, I feel like a granddad that you see twice a year that like slips a fiver into your hand. Go, go away with that, love. But I'm like that with Liz. I'm like, please take my money. You're you're such a Lizzo fan. You've bought a Lizzo fan. Yeah, yes. I bought a Lizzo fan, and then it was really hot this weekend. Tried to use it, disintegrated in my hand. <gasps> but. I love her that much, I don't care. No. Do you know what I mean? I, I was that. like, thank you, Lizzo. It's like Lizzo spat in my face, and I'm like, yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. I would, I would allow... I saw Lizzo sign someone's breasts 
the O2. At the O2? Mm. Oh, my God. And uh, she wanted Lizzo to do it on her inside upper arm so she could have a tattoo. Yeah. And the crowd obeyed and demanded it be on her breast. And I could see her face as she was like, I'm now going to have a tattoo on my tit. <laughs> she was just like, no, but I have to follow through now. That feels very on Lizzo, like, as a crowd, like... No, the breasts. You know, birds of a feather are cunts. And any big group of the same sort of people, they the worst excesses come out of them. That is actually true, like Twitter and stuff. Yeah, it is the like, it, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Any big groups of people, the same sort of people. It, I, I'm a big fan of watering it down. You know, even if it was like pediatricians who save children from diseases. You know, yeah. Yeah, if they go to a conference, they're all like, oh, how many children have you saved this year? Like, they, you know full well, when they get together, they're, they're terrible people. They'd be like, they're terrible about another thing because they're like, we save kids, what the fuck do you do? Yeah, exactly. They're just something about, that. I bet they're mean to each other. Anyway, if you are, in fact, <laughs> you are in fact a paediatrician who saves children from life-saving diseases, please email in to tell us that I'm right. Okay. <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, and our very special guest, Christy Watson, talking about nursing. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. All with me is Alison Spittle, and we are talking to our guest today, Christy Watson, uh, about nursing and also her new book, Quilt on Fire, The Messy Magic of Friends, Sex and Love. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my YouTube algorithm's been a bit skewiff lately, but um, I've been seeing a lot of talk that Paw Patrol are like a psyop. A for like the a police. What? A what? A psyop. I don't What's know that? what it What's means. A I think it means like that the Paw Patrol are telling little kids authoritarianism is great. Oh, I see. Yeah, I will like you know you know my very strong feelings on Paw Patrol and the gender uh, insult that is Paw Patrol. Four hundred boy characters and then one girl called Sky, he's got a pink ribbon. Um, I feel so strongly about it. And when I went to Japan recently, yeah. uh, a Japanese feminist uh, got in touch with me. And um, actually, I should just check that I've got her name right before I boldly say it. Um, so if you could fill, like, me? busk. Yeah, busk. Anyway, YouTube. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not been great for me lately. I watched, oh, well, I'm going to do some stand up about it, maybe as well. Um, <laughs> Philip Schofield. <laughs> what do we... <laughs> it's been a mad week. Um, I'll admit, like, uh, I've been riveted. I've been riveted. The vape. Have we noticed he's got a vape? That was intentional. That wasn't an accident. Someone would have went, hey, Philip, get that vape out of your hand, mate. You're doing a mea culpa interview. Oh, was he doing an interview with a vape? The, what? Inter- he, he Sorry, that sounds like a weird Tom Cruise film. Interview with a vape. <laughs> <laughs> interview with he a did vape an interview part. with the BBC with a vape in his hand. Wow. And yeah. really bad lighting. Yeah, you can't tell me that Philip Schofield doesn't have a ring light in his house. 
like very bad over it. I'm just saying, all intentional. Anyway. I'm sure he's got a PR person on the job. Yeah, I'm sure he does, like, giving him the worst light. Like, do you, do you know do what you, I mean? Do you, do you remember when Dapper Laughs got a black polo neck on and came out and did a sorry? That is the uniform of the apology, isn't it? Did, he, did Philip Schofield have a black polo neck on? I hope not. It's June. No, that's true. No, he did. what did he have on? Does anyone remember? Black shirt. It is. It's, it's, it's something about it. I think you should just get a T-shirt with, like, sorry... Across it? No. Would that be too much? I'd be bad at PR. (laughs) Philip, get yourself a ring light and a t shirt with sorry across it. Get rid of the vape. Alison Spittle, a spin doctor ring. Oh, I'm genuinely like, there's a lot of reasons why I am the way I am. Um, And I intentionally do it not to do any harm. Do you know, if I had power, I'd fuck stuff up. <laughs> like, and I know that, you know? Mm, I so do. I don't. I just flap around doing jokes and shit. But, uh, you know, if I really applied myself, I could do some evil. I believe it. Yeah, thank I you. I believe it. I believe it. I believe, <laughs> listen, I believe more women could be despotic dictators, but they just don't have the opportunity. Now... <laughs> Equality yeah, that's my real Get more. Get him out of the boardroom and into the. Well, where do evil people go? Evil Les. boss layers. Yes. Yeah. There could be more women in layers, but we're not given the opportunities. Now, no. So I'm going to take that again. I met a feminist called Hanukkah in Tokyo, and she got in touch with me because she saw me, that I was in Tokyo on Instagram, and she just said, Oh my God, I really hope you're doing a show out here because I've always wanted to see it. And I'm a student. And uh, I. I can't. Anyway, we ended up meeting, having a lovely chat. She's doing a master's or yeah. a PhD. I think a master's, and her dissertation is about children's television and the representation on children and what it teaches children. So I went into my fun rant about how Paw Patrol teaches boys don't invite any girls on the adventure or invite one, but as long as she's really pretty and compliant. And in teachers' girls, you're not welcome on the adventure unless you're really pretty and compliant. And then don't bring a friend. And uh, (laughs) she said, and she said, Hanukkah said, oh, yes, that's why I'm doing my dissertation because I heard you talking about it on The Guilty Feminist. I thought, oh, wow, let's look at Japanese uh, cartoons for small children. And there's one there called, um, oh, what's it called? It's something Panman. Panman. Yeah, so they have... um, they have, uh, so there's Melon Pan. Um, is it Melon Pan Man? It's, uh, okay, let me just, can you just busk? Okay, <laughs> I'll busk again. So Philip's gone. <laughs> um, I'll try and talk about stuff that you definitely can't put on the podcast. You can't. Is that what you wanted? Okay. I was just going, okay. Oh. I've got it. I've got okay. it. I've got it. Okay. So there's a a television show in Japan that's worse than Paw Patrol. It's Anpan Man, and Anpan is um, is a bread. It's a sort of like a, like a donut with it, no hole, like uh, inside. What? That's perverted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pastry that has like red. Um, like I guess some kind of berry jam or something like that inside and that's called uh, an anpan because pan is a borrowed word from French 
uh, meat, as in pan, as in bread. Yeah. But there's one female character in it. Yeah. And that is... So the, the characters are... and I, There's one character called Uncle Jam. It would be funny if she was called, like, Tits McGee. <laughs> and pan. There's one, called, there's one called uh, Buttercore Sam, who's an assistant to Uncle Jam. Okay. Um, she is dedicated and hardworking, but prone to forgetting things. Uh, oh. Her name literally translates to Butter Girl. Butter um, Girl. Yeah. And uh, anyway, there's various other ones. Um, there's uh, Curry Pan Man, and his head is made from curry pan. And <laughs> wow. Then there's Melon Panna. And Pan Man's friend. Her head is made from melon bread. Melon bread is like, it's like, again, it's like a soft, sweet bread. But you know how if you cut a melon like, uh, like a grid, that's, it's got that pattern on the top. Oh, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> she's extremely soft-hearted, being caring and sensitive and is sometimes clever. When she's in trouble, she usually needs... Sometimes clever. Sometimes clever. <laughs> she when, sounds like me. <laughs> when she's in trouble, she usually needs Anpan Man or somebody else to save her. Oh, gee, and that yeah. does sound like me. Um, <laughs> and she got PTSD. But one of them... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't say that here, but very possibly having had to be in the show. But one of them mm. is she, her superpower, because most of the boys have got superpowers, as you can imagine, like Power Rangers or something like that. But the lead girl character, I'm not sure what her name is, uh, her superpower is to dazzle men with her sexual charisma. How so old is this children's thing? It's, it's a cartoon for small children, but she kind of flirts, and then they go, oh, oh, and she sort of stuns them into submission with her sexual charm. <laughs> wow, like, so you, a, like a Bond girl, you yeah. know? That's um, amazing. Yeah. I mean, this one's... She, like, this I one's... love when she, like, bore a hole into that donut's head. Do you know the main guy? Just, like, punched a hole in it. Yeah, I mean... Anyway, I, I, I'm I mean, thinking you could, very you, violent. You could endings. be in the writer's room, because... Uh, it, it, anyway, she was so horrified by it, and she decided to do a dissertation about it, so it's really interesting to hear about. There's one here that sounds fun called Cream Panda. Cream Panda. Cream Panda, The, the yeah. youngest of Anpaman's friends and the foster brother of Melon Panna and Roll Panna. A foster he, brother? Yep. He is six years old. His head is made from a cream bun and his eyes look like those of a panda's. Um, Wait, so it's the eyeballs of a panda in a pastry. Oh. That sounds horrific. Well, you, didn't you just do a whole segment on putting a ham on your face? Yeah. I did. You did, earlier on. Wait, wait, wait. Shit. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Not again. This cream panda... Yeah, I had this idea about a purple dinosaur, but that's been taken. <laughs> cream panda, because his head resembles a hand, he has a special headbutt attack called the goo chocky punch. Um, ju chocky pa sound, uh, means rock, scissors, paper in Japanese. What um, Australian children's TV shows? Oh, uh, Bluey. Bluey's the famous one. Oh, Bluey's great. Yeah, everyone loves Bluey. Everyone I watch Bluey. Bluey for fun. I have no children, nor the intention of being near one. But uh, Bluey's great. But like, what was the, what was about in Australia? Like, I'm trying to think. Oh, of... when I was a kid, Mr. Squiggle. Mr. Squiggle. So Mr. Was, Squiggle Mr. had a, a pencil for a nose. He was a puppet. It was like a sort of marionette puppet with a pencil for a nose. And he would do drawings on the board. And it was a bit like, can you see what it is yet? Um, yeah. Which was Rolf Harris's oh, uh, shit. Yeah, Jesus. catchphrase. He also had a show. 
Uh, Did he? Oh, yeah, he had a kid's show for a long time. He has to paint staff and, you know. Oh, my, um, my cultural reference for Ralph Harris is like... Um, Animal Hospital. They have this like really great, great theme tune, and there'll be Ralph going like, "I'm afraid the gerbil has to die." And it would all be, it would all just be mammals being put down. And as a kid, I was like, "That's no hospital." <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we know we had a lot of great shows. I don't think they were as sexist back then as they are now. That's the horror. Do you remember that there was a British kids' TV show, uh, I think it was Play School, and one of the theme tunes was Roll up and ride on Rosie, the magical merry-go-round. That that definitely wasn't a thing. It was, I swear, I didn't make that up. (laughs) What? Roll up and ride on Rosie? Yeah, I can't remember what Rosie was, but I do remember she had a happy face. (laughs) Like, I genuinely... I think it might be a car, or that, no, that's, that's, that's Brum, the possessed car. There's also a TV show called Granddad in My Pocket. For a, um, for a while, I wanted to do a true crime podcast on what happened to Hamble from Play School. Because, yes, do you know, you know, do, so how many of you remember Play School in any format? Was that it? It was, it was there's a bear in there. And a chair as well. There's people with games and stories to tell. Oh, Open yeah. wide, come inside. It's place. I mean, that sounds rude. I'm sorry. I think you see innuendo where there is none. I know. In every children's television show. However, Roll Up and Ride and Rosie, that's forgivable. Um, <laughs> There was Big Ted, Little Ted, Jemima, and Hamble. Hamble just disappeared. You can look it up on Wikipedia. One day, she just disappeared and was never referenced again. Where is she? I want to do a true crime podcast on it. There's so many suspicious things about what, the, do you the think, missing of Hamble. Is it Hamble? Is that how you say Hamble it? was her name. It was the Hamble, name of the doll. Do you think Hamble will get interviewed with a vape? Like, you know, <laughs> Maybe. God, I lost my job. <laughs> Something suspicious went down. <laughs> There's so much evidence that points to it. I want to do an incredibly serious, in the style of a true crime podcast about what happened to Hamble and Play School. That because would be amazing. You can look on Wikipedia. There's stuff. I've, but I mean, I've done the deep dive research. You won't just find that on Wikipedia. But I've got it if anyone wants it. Would you like to hear some stand-up comedy? Welcome to the stage, the one, the only, the incredible Alison Spittle! Hello, everybody. Oh, very, very, very happy to be here. Um, let's talk about um, hen parties. Uh, I, I've been asked to be a maid of honour twice. I've made it up the aisle once. Um, <laughs> the first time I was asked to be a maid of honour, um, it was by an aunt, and um, she, she said to me, you're my favourite niece, I want you to be my maid of honour. I was like, great. Um, she bought a bag of uh, bridesmaid dresses at a car boot sale, <laughs> and none of them would fit me. And she didn't say anything, but she gave me an evening invitation, so I knew I was no longer the maid of honour, right? <laughs> and uh, I decided, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel bad at the time, but then people told me, that's pretty shitty. So then I felt angry on my behalf. 
Um, so uh, my sister asked me to be her maid of honor and I knew that my aunt would have to go to this uh, hen party. So I decided to make the best hen party ever. So I, uh, I organized a hen party at a little place uh, called Butlin's uh, Adult Weekender Minehead, right? Uh, and I decided like, I would buy my, like, I bought my sister vodka for the weekend. Uh, my sister misheard me and uh, took that as journey vodka and drank the vodka on the way to Butlin's Minehead. Now, she got out of the taxi and fell straight into some hand sanitizer dispensers, <laughs> face first. And she had just had a fresh face of injectables that week. So when she fell face first into the hand sanitizer dispensers, she looked like an Elvis impersonator for the whole weekend, right? It pushed all of the injectables into one side of her mouth. But she was, she was, she was, we were ready to have a good time. She was, the, the security came over and they said, and I think that's the first time they've ever had to say this. They said, I think that woman is too drunk to enter the Butlins Adult Weekender. <laughs> and uh, we were trying to, like, you know, sort stuff out. And my mum came out and uh, my mum goes, uh, well, actually, um, she, this, this, this woman has um, autism and she has diabetes. So when they're combined, stuff like this can happen, right? Now, if it's any medical condition that my sister has that has caused this, it's her drinking problem, right? <laughs> but the security guards heard autism and they heard diabetes and they're like, oh God, okay, let her in, let her in. Uh, but they had to find a wheelchair for her because she wasn't able to get up. Um, so they found a spare wheelchair from somewhere, they plopped her in and then they tied her in with a sheet, right? And my sister was just flopping down with the thumbs up, right? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We wanted to go watch the entertainment at the Butlins Adult Weekender. So uh, there was entertainment. Um, there was a band called Boys Life. Have you ever heard of them? They're a super group, right? Imagine the best members of Westlife and the best members of Boyzone stay at home. <laughs> and Brian McFadden and Keith Duffy turn up to entertain you. Uh, <laughs> um, we wanted to go see them and like we were worried about my sister um, you know um, she was still it, flopping um, so we put her in we left her in the hotel room but we put her in the uh, recovery position now when I say recovery position we just slapped the wheelchair on its side <laughs> and left her with a glass of water and I don't know why but like us as Irish people we wanted to communicate with Brian and with Keith that we were Irish people. And we were shouting at them. They were singing, flying without wings. We're like, we're Irish, Brian. Look at us. Look at us. But they couldn't hear, right? So we started, we, we put uh, Irish flag emojis on our phone and showed it to Brian and Keith to communicate with them that we were Irish citizens. Now, it could have been the Irish flag or it could have been the Ivory Coast. I'm not the best <laughs> on flags. <laughs> but we felt compelled to them that we were Irish. Um, and that's it. So have a great night, everybody. <laughs> Alison Spittle, everybody. I feel that story goes on. Can we see it in a show of yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, when I developed it, there's like... 
How, how, what else happens? We went swimming. I do actually genuinely fully recommend going to Butlins Adult Weekender with mates. Is it's that what just, it's called? Adult Weekender? Yeah, it's like, it's like, because they don't have kids at it and uh, oh. they, just, they just let adults get drunk. It's a kid free weekend at Butlins. Kid free weekend at Butlins. There's, um, there's like, uh, I don't know why I'm t- simping for Butlins here. <laughs> uh, but this is, a, this is a, like, if you're looking for a place to go for a hen party that you'd be like, it's safe, you're well looked after. It's, it's for people who have hen parties who have like one mad bastard of a friend and you're not able to bring them to proper places. <laughs> you bring it to Butlins, you will have a safe, good time. Excellent. And that friend can run around and tire themselves out like a, like a greyhound, do you know? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, Guilty Feminists. We're recording five more live episodes and you can come and see us at the Turner Gallery in Margate on the 9th of July, supporting local charity Power of Women Thanet. We're at King's Place in London on the 24th of July and we're at Soho Theatre on the 11th and the 12th of August. And we're live from Chichester on the 21st of August. I'll be in Chichester doing a Guilty Feminist episode because I've written a play called Never Have I Ever, which will be on in Chichester at the Minerva for the whole of September. It stars Alexandra Roach, Ahmed Shah, Greg Wise and a very own Guilty Feminist, Susan McComa. And it's about money, sex, power, politics and running a restaurant. You can also join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes And if you're passing iTunes or Spotify and you felt like leaving us a five-star review, we would love you forever. It helps other people find the podcast, as does you telling someone. And now back to that very podcast. Our guest today is Professor of Medical Humanities at UEA and worked as an NHS nurse for over 20 years. She has written five books, including her memoir, The Language of Kindness, A Nurse's Story, which is a number one Sunday Times bestseller. 
Her work has been translated into 23 languages and adapted for theatre. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Christy Watson! Christy, welcome, welcome. Come take a seat. Thank you so much for coming. First, I wanted to bring you back to Felix Schofield, if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, We we hope so. (laughs) Because... Um, when you have these books they take all for photos of you and this book came out originally in June and I had a photo taken don't tell me you got a vape no I've got a black polar neck (gasps) wow and you know what even worse than that I've got a black polar neck a dog that's not mine because my dog was so badly behaved (laughs) wow it's a borrowed dog borrowed dog and even worse than that Literally, the week after I had the black polar neck on, uh, Matt Hancock was everywhere wearing oh. a black polar neck. Oh, my God. You so this is a worst. shameful book. Yeah, it's true. You they look like you look a black polar neck when they're apologising. I just love that yeah. you have a black polar neck and a dog that's not yours. It looks like uh, Dapper Laughs on Tinder. Honestly, <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. No, not at all. Um, but <laughs> have I'm... you anything to apologise for? Get it out now. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I loved the language of kindness, the nurse's story. Oh, thank you. And you've now got another book. Can you, could you tell us a little bit about the nurse's story? Because it's so beautiful. Yeah, so I wrote the language of kindness. I think it was 2018 that it came out. And it was a memoir about my 20 years working as an NHS nurse. And it was sort of weaving in aspects of my own life and... Um, personal grief, loss, love, all that other stuff, but mainly it was about my my work life and what it means to be a nurse and what it means to be human, I guess, is what I was going for. Well, it, it really does go there, and there are some really poignant stories, like be prepared to cry when you read it, because it really does go there about what it's like to be a nurse and how much empathy and kindness you need. And some years ago, I went and job-swapped with a nurse where she came to oh, do wow. some... Um, sort of comedy spoken word and I went uh, to shadow I mean I job swapped I shadowed a nurse obviously I should not job swap with a nurse (laughs) she can job swap with me because what does it matter but if I just start randomly injecting people slash you're going to jail baby that's right (laughs) it was a job swap (laughs) (laughs) your honour no but I followed her around and I was like so shocked by what nurses had to do and I was really amazed at the the uh, at talking to nurses and discovering it's it's a very different it's meant to be a very different job from what doctors do and the very thing that allows you to do it which is this extra compassion is the very thing that now makes the job very difficult because the compassion and kindness that you need to make sure people are comfortable and listened to and looked after, the time isn't there to do it. Mm. So if you're that kind of person who's got a predilection to be a nurse because you have got a personality where you want people to feel listened to and looked after, it's a painful job to do when you're running around and you're you're doing that. And I really really got that from your book um, that's called The Language of Kindness about just sitting, just being with patients and especially child patients in your book. It's, it's really something else to read about. Um, and you were an NHS nurse for 20 years. Are you still nursing? 
No, I'm not nursing. I went back very briefly during the pandemic, during the first peak of the pandemic, which was shit. Um, and that was to help out? Yeah, basically. Because they, they were desperate, topics. absolutely desperate. And, um, and so you're back. still qualified, you can still do it? They had this emergency register, which right. is so they were, they were just kind of calling out for anybody. Um, and yeah, it was very traumatic, but I certainly stayed for a short time. And there are colleagues of mine who were sort of carrying on and carrying on and limping on at the moment. And mm-hmm. systemically, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, people are on their knees. I think something like 50% of intensive care nurses now have some form of PTSD. So it's a really dark time, I think, for, for nurses and nursing, which is why they need the pay rise mm-hmm. um but yeah so I went back for a short time but I now kind of just write full time and then I'm doing the professor work at UEA yes that which sounds very interesting and mm. tell us about your new book quilt on fire the messy magic of friends sex and love well it's a little great bit, title really, thank you really, yeah. it's a little bit about um nursing and I do talk about the time that I went back briefly I uh had a catastrophic breakdown as we all do, I guess. I, guess, I think life's just one breakdown after another, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like... The bits between breakdowns. They're really dull. Yeah. yeah really yeah, yeah. dull. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I hit 42 and had this kind of colossal mega breakdown. And I ended up in Sainsbury's climbing into a fish finger freezer and just thinking, it's probably not entirely normal. No, that's no. De- <laughs> I can confirm. Oh, wow. Can confirm. You know, I've had a punch and a potato together. Our breakdowns could have made you a nice dinner. Totally relate. Yeah. Nice fish supper. Yeah. Absolutely great. The weirdest thing was I was standing in this freezer and everyone was walking past and it was like I was completely invisible. And this man got some breaded cod out from the next freezer. Wow. And, well, I was just just there. Like is anyone gonna that say is, anything? That is the most British thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's peak. That's peak oh. British, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh, excuse me, I got my bread and cod there. <laughs> yeah, there's a man just yeah. oh, There's a woman here. I'll just ignore that. Won't make eye contact. No. Oh, there's two for one on bird's eye fish fingers. Um, but yeah. yeah, I had this massive uh, breakdown. What I thought was a breakdown. I found a therapist after that because I thought I am yeah, good completely call. losing my mind. And the therapist said, "I think you are having some hormonal changes, and this could be perimenopause, even though you're young." And I said, "What's the perimenopause?" And I had never heard it, despite being a nurse of twenty years. And I was like, "Wow!" Went to my GP, and she said, "I think you need to try some HRT." And then um, what happened was I ended up having loads of therapy, some HRT, trying to make sense of it. And I thought, I'm unraveling. I've lost my mind. I'm absolutely um, insane at the moment. I'm climbing into fish finger freezers. I know I need to find love. What? No! So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go online dating. (laughs) Oh, for God's sake. Always the best time. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a really good time to do that. Oh um, my god! <laughs> so I thought if this was a television program, we'd go no, stop. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I know I'm going to go online dating because that's a really great idea, and so the book is a result of that. Mm-hmm. And what happened after that? That's beautiful. Which is quite messy. Would you like to read something from it for us? I can read a very short section of 
the first online date that I went on. Fantastic. Um, where I wore double spanks, not just one pair. Excellent. Very, very Bridget Jones. It was very Bridget Jones. I was risking a yeast infection, obviously. That, that's brewing up a storm right there, that is. <laughs> and you're making a Petri dish. Oh, yeah. And so I went on this, on this date with this guy, Roy, and he seemed really nice, and it was going really well. And I thought, well, not all straight men are dickheads. And I got into my car, and he was waving me off. But then, as I pull away and head down the road, I look in my rearview mirror, and Voy is chasing after me, shouting. I drive faster. He runs faster, <laughs> shouts louder. He looks unhinged. His arms and legs are flailing around. He's shouting and shouting, I love you, I love you. And in that moment, driving at speed, a memory. I am young, 20 maybe, in bed with a man I've been dating. We are having sex. I cannot call it making it love because he's pummeling me from above as though he's kneading bread. He has a faraway look in his eyes and he is screaming, je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime. So loudly, my flatmates bang on the wall. He doesn't stop. In fact, he gets louder. He's not French. <laughs> I put my foot down harder and voice shouts again, louder too, and I hear him clearly for the first time. He's not shouting, I love you. He's shouting, your lights, turn on your lights. But by now, I'm crashing the car into a bush. We don't have a second date, but I do learn many things from him. I learn that not all men love me in either English or French. And I learn that along with everything else my perimenopause is doing to my body, it also causes hearing loss. Wow! Hi. Um, I don't know what perimenopause is. Like, it sounds like a member of Little Mix. <laughs> like, it's the bit before menopause when you start to get symptoms of menopause. Yeah. But it's like... Uh, so it's like you're on the top of the roller coaster and you're like... I think it's more like going up the roller coaster. It's not at the top. Right. When you hit the top, that's menopause because you're like suddenly crashing down. Yeah. But it's the like... Eh, you know, when it's like that suspenseful bit when you're going up. Every time I'm going up a roller coaster, I think of all of the regrets I have in life. <laughs> Do you know? I'm just like, oh, I should have went to university. Uh, yeah. I always think of peri-peri chicken at Nando's when I think of peri-menopause. Oh, yeah, you could, you could put your menopause into flavour spicing profiles. Exactly. You know? Whether it's relatively pain-free, you've got lemon and herb. Exactly. But if That's on a, it could be on a low day, you could have lemon and herb, and then another day you might have extra spicy yeah. or extra hot. Or and on a really mild. bad day, bleach. <laughs> <laughs> I think the peri-peri spices were very pandemic-related as well, because you remember yeah. the warning signs? And it was very peri-peri spice. What? The warning signs of like, what did it go like? It was like, like, it was like mild lemon and herb, medium, <laughs> don't oh, go right. out, bleach your cans of tuna or whatever. Right. And, then, right. and then hot, you're all going to die. What right. I love about that story that I just heard was there was a part of me that thought, he's got his legs stuck in the back of the car and she's driving off faster. <laughs> and he's going, please stop the car. You're dragging this Dragging man. him along going... Guy really loves me. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us more about what's in the book and what drove you to write it. 
Um, so it, there's a lot of funny anecdotes, hopefully funny, um, tragic on my part, but funny hopefully for everyone else. And there are some serious bits as well. So um, I really wanted to talk about what got me through this period of time where I felt like I was losing my mind. And it wasn't really therapy or HRT, it was my female friends. Mm. And I really wanted to write a love story to my female friends and also that kind of um, creeping towards wisdom and just feeling like I'm absolutely broken but realising that everybody is absolutely broken as well. And just coming to terms with that is such a freeing state of mind, I think. Yes, I think we only see our worst bits and other people's best bits. And Mm. I think understanding as you get more open and more vulnerable I think with your friends as you get older yeah you do acknowledge this is what's really going on with me or you can do you can be in that kind of friendship circle if you're not in that kind of friendship circle maybe read quilt on fire um, because you you will realize that there's lots of other people like you if you're not feeling that anywhere I think it could be a really good book yeah to help you understand that you're not alone it um, sounds like a coming-of-age book about the menopause. Mm. That's exactly and that's right. A really, I'd love to read stuff about that. Like, like, I think there's not a lot written about the menopause. I've, and it's very... I find it very strange because it's, it's going to happen to everyone mm. that, that possess... Every woman and other person who gets a period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's plenty of stuff about, you know, that people getting their first period. And... Uh, I'd like to hear, yeah, this, is, this sounds really cool. You're making it sound like, I don't know, this sounds fun. I bet it's not fun, though, is it? I think it is fun, actually. I think Good, once you okay, get, yeah, cool. it can be very fun and very wild and very free, and, <sighs> but you have to go through the roller coaster part first. Oh, yeah, balance. There's no avoiding that. You're going to Thorpe Park, however you like it. My mum has just warned me, like, it's just, she said, expect heart flushes and to get angry. Um, yeah, you'll be punching loads of potatoes. Oh, be like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think, as a woman and as a feminist, what role do you think your friends play in your life, either when you're on a roll and having a great time or when, you're, when you feel like you're going under? You know, like to be driven to write a book about friends, mm. uh, sex and love, what, what role do they play? Well, the, the title of the book, Quilt on Fire, is not actually about hot flushes or flashes. It's about uh, my first quest for love when I was 20 and I was in my bedroom with a boyfriend and my best friend was in another room with her boyfriend and I suddenly thought, wow, the room is golden, I'm so warm inside, everything's glowing and electric and I'm on fire and I'm in love. This is what it is. This is the meaning of life. And then I realised that my polyester quilt had caught fire in a candle tea light that I'd bought from the market. So it went up like... uh, I mean, you wouldn't believe how quickly this thing went up. But my friend, who ran into the room, saw this disaster and threw this quilt out of the window, thereby saving my life. And she's been metaphorically saving my life ever since. And she's still in my life. And... Husbands have come and gone. Relationships have come and gone. We've both been through bereavements and all kinds of life shit. But we're still together, laughing, holding each other up. And I think if you're lucky enough to have those kind of friends, whether they're female friends, male friends, older, younger, whatever they are, then I think it's such an important thing to celebrate. And I feel really lucky and blessed. Yeah, I do think friendship is the bedrock of feminism. 
because without yeah. it, what is it? Like it's it's really a movement of of women and people of minority genders who are going. We we need to change things, but we can't do it alone. And you can have these coalitions, but unless there are friendships at the heart of some of those coalitions, it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna grow and stand. It's not gonna be magnetic. It's just having someone care for you. I I like. How do you know when you have a friend like that, though? Like, you know, I have friends, um, but I, I don't think they'd throw a quilt out of the window for me. I'd they throw would. a quilt out of a window for you. Yeah, I've just met you, if and you I'd throw on, a quilt out of If you were on a fire... Yeah. Yeah? Of if course. We, if you were on fire, we would put you out. We would fully put you out. How it's, could you doubt, Callison, that I would put you out if you were on fire? I Look, I've got, this feels like... When you're saying, like, if you were on fire, we'd do this. And the only time I've ever heard that reference is, like, I would piss on you if you were on fire. <laughs> we were uh, all thinking it. Yeah. We were all thinking it. But, of course, yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would absolutely risk being burnt to throw a quilt out the window for you. I, I can tell you, I don't know if I would do it for you. <laughs> it's, it's a polyester. It's quite flammable. Do you know what I, I mean? I, I'd have to. I just would. I just would. I feel I just would. I think I'd open the door. Deborah, whoa, your quilt is <laughs> on fire. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, how your mate is? That's real. That's I feel real like you'd, you'd say you'd at least say get out of the room. You'd be like, you'd. I'll call the fire brigade. I don't think you'd just go. Oh, oh, Deborah, close the door. Typical again. you. I don't think you'd lock me in the room with a burning quilt. <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't do that. No, I. Well, what would I do? I would. What if I threw myself on top of the quilt? No, crushing as a the nurse, fire. I can say no. Don't no, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'd make a Deborah and Allison sandwich with a quilt between us, like melted cheese. I'm a feminist, but once I was living with a married couple when I was really young. Yeah, and I was staying there, and I'd put a pan on. I'm a terrible cook, and I put a pan on the stove, a, 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 like a, a, a saucepan on the stove, and put some oil in it, and then I was chatting to the man. And he was about to leave. And then he just went, I'll just put that fire out before I go. And behind me was this roaring fire. But he said it so casually. And then he just put a lid onto the saucepan, carried it outside. And that's how I knew. You don't pour water on a chip pan fire. That's, wow. It's like he caught a spider. He just put a lid on it, brought it to the garden. It was just just so casual. Threw the fire into the garden. Be free, fire. (laughs) Uh, I would definitely put you out if you were on fire. I'd put any of you out if you were on fire. Just Do you know, clear. actually, just saying, I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. That wouldn't help. Not like, a chip pan fire, no. It would make it much worse. I know, and I can't really aim. Like, I would have to, like, squat over you, and the flames would hurt me more. Do you know? That's, I've actually just fought in the canning. I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. I hope not. Like, you know? It would take it's, me about ten minutes to get out of two pairs of spanks, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And then That's I have a, a bit point. of a performance pause, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I can't piss in the best of times, never mind <laughs> if there's pyrotechnics going on underneath. It's true. It's, it's, it's actually the least helpful thing you could do. Yeah. If I'm on fire, don't add micturition to, into the mix. I don't, no. I don't want that. I don't want third degree burns and also your piss. I'd be like, like Deborah, come into the bathroom. I don't want to get it on the carpet. <laughs> then I would like, make you lie down on fire. Uh, don't, I, listen. <laughs> 
If your electric blanket catches fire, I'm right there with the water sports. Yeah. Helping. I'm always, um, I was there, like, when I had an, when I used to sleep on an electric blanket every night before it was like, I, I haven't pissed myself for 25 years, I'd say. Light sleep, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We all live our truth. seems unfair. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. But anytime I, anytime I sleep on an electric blanket, I think tonight's tonight. I'm always worried I'm going to piss myself on top of an I've electric blanket. I've never thought of that before, but now I always will. I always do. I always imagine myself like, like, the, like the Frankenstein's monster. You know, it's alive. <laughs> Waking up with frazzled hair and piss. And... So yeah. just tell us a little bit Sorry, more about the yeah. book. Um, about your book. <laughs> the Messy Magic of Friends, Sex and Love. Could you, are there any other stories that you'd like to tell us about? There is a story about my friend who uh, had decided um, that she would, at the age of, I believe she was 52 at the time, she started HRT and she felt very happy and suddenly had this kind of sexual awakening, I think. And it was very much like the French call uh, menopause and perimenopause a second adolescence, which is like oh. growing up again, which is yeah. what you said. Um, and her, her attitude towards it was that she, uh, she was going through the entire list of Toy Boy Warehouse <laughs> to shag everyone on the entire website, I think. Is it, is it called what? Toy Boy Warehouse? Yeah. Is that a real thing? 100%. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> Toy Boy Warehouse. I promise. I've literally never heard of that. Has anyone else heard of Toy Boy Warehouse? I mean, they're too young. Toy Boy Warehouse. It sounds like car phone warehouse to me. It is a bit like car phone warehouse, I think. Toy Boy Warehouse. Has anyone else heard of this? I love this, Deborah. You're, you're Googling this. I have to Google it because I want to know where it is. Where's this warehouse? Are they so all what, in there? It's just a lot of young men shivering in a warehouse. <laughs> oh, it is a thing. For... No, it is a thing. Search were, our members was, uh, now. You know. Older women dating younger men. Yeah. Oh, my God. So sh- that was her response to it, which I thought, hats off, you know? Why not? I, I, don't, I don't trust that. If you, if you do look at Toy Boy Warehouse... Um, they need to get a new web designer in it. Don't look that professional. <laughs> Toy Boy Warehouse scary, is, isn't it? I've is never a, actually looked at it. It looks like someone's blog. It's like, a sexy, fun, it's and not intelligent. A professional <laughs> warehouse. No, no, it is. It's a sexy, fun, and intelligent dating community for older women and younger men who want love, lust, and romance. Great. In past years, more and more female celebrities have found younger boyfriends. Cougar dating has become the go-to phrase. Cougar. It's dating. out of date, though, isn't it now? Yeah, Cougar dating. Really is. Way yeah. out. Uh, blah 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 so on and so forth Uh, it's a community but it's not a sex site sorry to disappoint our members are looking for love lust and romance that sounds like a sex site and no judgement is placed based on which you choose how is that not a sex site though we believe that relationships thrive when there is chemistry and connection and a little extra challenge can keep things exciting as one 35 year old successful intelligent man said I couldn't be with a younger woman I'd trample all over her Ooh. Oh Christ! I need an older woman to challenge me. No, no si- you, Simon, you know thirty-five from Carlisle. You are not a feminist, and <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what Simon needs? Therapy. That's yeah. <laughs> I need someone yeah. to challenge me. I need psychiatric help. Um, um, 
Uh, wow, that's well. Sorry, continue to tell the story of well, the well, friend who went to the uh, store. Yeah, totally. Like, so she. So there's just lots and lots of stories about random shit like that that my friends get up to. But actually, um, the ultimate thing about hopefully what I was writing about is that it, it, you know, it's a love story to friends and all their weirdness and all their strangeness and their way of dealing with whatever. Um, I kind of love how wild they are, though. I kind yeah. of love how random they are. So is this sort of perimenopausal and menopausal uh, women like living a sort of, as you say, a second adolescence, like just living wildly? And is it like what Sex and the City, the reboot, and just like that should be? Oh, such a good question. Have you seen the new one? Yes. No, I've, I've deconstructed it in great detail for okay. the audience. <laughs> okay. I, I love... What I do is I obsess about that dress. She wore that in the original episode where, yeah. you know, Big walked out on her. Therefore, the fact that that dress is in this scene or that she's wearing this dress means that. And I'm genuinely wow. sure that that is the case. Now... Yeah, you're, you're just like that truther. You know I, I really mean? am. Wow. Now, I saw the, and on Instagram Live, the people that do the wardrobe uh, for and just like that were doing an Instagram Live, and I asked them, because you could ask questions, and I said, are you choosing them to kind of connect things to storylines and to have this subtext? And they said, absolutely not, we don't have time for that. <laughs> I still believe, well, I, I know what I see. I know what I see. And it's been a very popular addition to the Guilty Feminists. We put it out on a Friday as an extra when, it, when it's in season, or we did last time. And it was very popular, and everyone said, please keep doing it. Somebody complained and said, why is this in my feed? And I said, just skip it, just skip it. <laughs> she said, I don't want it in my feed. I think you should put it on another feed. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Go back and listen to Grace Petrie's episode. It's so funny, because Grace Petrie had to quickly catch up and watch them all. And uh, because she was behind and she said, oh, no, I really want to do it. I love Sex in the City. And um, she was so shocked when she, because she quickly watched them all. And I spoke to her that day in, on the podcast. And she says, I'm so shocked because she said, I cried and cried because Big died. And I was like, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, that was a spoiler. But by now, <laughs> surely, you know, Big died. But, uh, and I said, but that was what was all in the news about he and, and uh, he rode on the Peloton and then he had a heart attack. And it was all in the news about what it had done for the Peloton stock and stuff. And she said, no, 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 no. I heard a story that he wanked in front of Carrie Bradshaw asked Big to wank, which she did. And then I heard a story about Peloton was in the news and the share price was dropping because of Sex in the City. She said, I thought he wanked on a Peloton. <laughs> And that's oh what she was God. expecting to see. And she was like, I was so shocked. I thought it was going to be this funny wanking scene. And he died. She said, I was crying and crying. Just big squatting over a Peloton machine. She, well, that's what she thought. Oh, my God. He was wanking to the kind of sexy Peloton instructor. Anyway, oh if you listen to no other episode, listen to the one where Grace Petrie discovers that it was death, not masturbation. <laughs> that... <laughs> he didn't die of masturbation. No. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, check out Quilt on Fire, The Messy Magic of Friends, Sex and Love by Christy Watson. Uh, and also check out her book, um, The Language of Kindness, uh, The Nurse's Story, uh, because they're both really, really fascinating. And if nothing else, this book will demonstrate nurses are people. Pay them properly. They want to go on dates. <laughs> Do you mind yes. if I get a quick plug-in for my Edinburgh show? If we're Alison, what, what 
It's your Edinburgh show. I got an Edinburgh show that's on at 1.25 every day in Monkey Barrel Hive 1. And it's called Soup. And it's about uh, CPTSD. What's CPTSD? It's, uh, well, it's post-traumatic stress disorder with a C in front of it. Um, can't remember what the C stands for. I was going to say, I know PTSD, but what's CPTSD? It's, it's, it's cool. That's what I'm saying, for cool people. Got, somebody knows, what is it? Complex. Complex. Yeah, baby. It, I'm complex. <laughs> I'm okay. not like those other PTSDs. Not I like layers. those straightforward ones. No, no. Mine is several traumas. Okay. <laughs> like, a, like a Power Ranger, like at the end of the Power Rangers where they all connect. Anyway. Did, did you have anything you know. else? No, we're definitely all going to go and see that. And if you don't go to Edinburgh, please see it when it goes on tour, um, which it will, or in London. Um, and Christy, is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, just but buy, thank you very much. Buy her book. She's got loads of books. This one sounds especially fun, and I've read the one, uh, the nurse's story, the language of kindness, and I highly, highly recommend it. Um, if you would like to come out and see more shows at the Guilt of the Guilty Feminist, which Nelson, I know you would, uh, we are back at King's Place on the twenty second of June and on the twenty fourth of July. And we are at uh, the Turner in Margate on the 9th of July. Uh, can we have a huge round of applause for everyone at King's Place? Because apparently we've run over. <laughs> could we have a big round of applause for Christy Watson? <laughs> the incredible Alison Spittle. <laughs> I've been Deborah Francis White. We've been the Guilty Feminists. Good night. <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Alison Smith, and our very special guest, Christy Watson. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Salinsky for the Sponsor Daily Shop. Thanks to Rachel Craft and Tina Dicio, Zayn Mohammed, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Those dates are not on sale yet. But Tom, when are we at So Theatre? What? 11th and 12th. Of what? July? August. We are at So. <laughs> he's uh, he's in the Toy Boy warehouse. Um, <laughs> we're... He sounds very afraid. <laughs> we're at the Soho Theatre at the 11th or 12th of August. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com